Earlier this summer, Pillar hired, or maybe better said hired again, my dear friend and now again colleague, Chris DeVos, to be the executive pastor here at Pillar. Executive pastor is a little different than lead pastor. Uh, His role will be to steward the operational life, develop staff, and then pursue strategic missional implementation. It's such a gift to have Chris around. He started in August. His heart is huge. His mind is sharp. His love for you, for the church, for our community is beautiful. And his pastoral wisdom over so many decades is such a gift to our community. On Tuesday, at our staff meeting, Chris invited us into a team-building exercise. Each of us was asked to bring an object that would give something of a snapshot into our spiritual journey as we understood it at that moment. We had two minutes uh, to share. It was, it was stunning. I want to share a little bit of what Chris shared, but I also want you to keep in mind the verse that I love. You know it well. Uh, Behold, I am making all things new. That is the trajectory of all of creation. Though the headlines might suggest otherwise and the storylines might suggest something else and the lines that you constantly hear in your own heart and head about who you are and who you're not, this is the line, behold, I'm making all things new. That's God's heartbeat for the world, though the constant cultural drumbeat might be polarization and division and anger and animosity and objectification so that we can reduce human beings to categories. This is the heartbeat. Behold, I'm making all things new. It's what Jesus came to accomplish. He died to do, rose to get done, and ascended into heaven to promise. Behold, I'm making all things new. So we're gathered on the lawn on Tuesday, and Chris starts to share some of his story as a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. He served a congregation there for some years. He told the story of a Sunday evening where the church gathered for some kind of a service. It wasn't a worship service as such, but it was some sort of congregational gathering, and a young man, a first-year student in college named Andy, uh, came to the gathering. He was a part of the church. He had grown up in the church. The gathering ended, and Andy went home and did the unthinkable, the unspeakable. He took the lives of his mom, his dad, and his sister in a way so brutal, I'm not comfortable sharing with you now. For Chris, as he internalized that experience as a pastor, he said, I felt like a failure. It was a crisis of calling. He thought about quitting, not like you do when you've had a bad day and you think about getting another job. He thought he was done. He summoned the courage to visit Andy in the local jail with some regularity before that became federal prison. Andy was on death row. He visited him regularly for five years. Andy showed no signs of remorse. He was just hard, bitter, cold. And Chris was exhausted. Chris wondered, 
Does God do anything? Will God ever change anything? Have you ever been in that spot? You ever found yourself wondering, does God do anything? Is God ever going to change anything? Sometimes I wonder if, that, if that's actually what was swirling in the hearts and minds of some of those early Christians in the first century. Now, we read the Bible through the lens of the resurrection appropriately. Of course we do. Christ died and was raised. And, but then we sort of treat the rest of the Bible as if it's kind of a fairy tale. And they all lived happily ever after. If the first cent- to be a Christian in the first century was absolutely brutal. It was illegal to be Christian. All of the first disciples were killed with the exception maybe of St. John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos, the prison island of Patmos. Medical care is what you'd expect in the first century. Diseases ran rampant. Inequities were obvious. Roman rule worked for the emperor, but crushed everyone else, especially the Christians. The Jews blamed the Christians, still angry about Jesus, and Rome came down even harder. That's the context for our verse Behold, I'm making all things new. I want you to listen to the rest of that vision. It's St. John. He's been exiled to Patmos. He catches a vision. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a a loud voice say, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain, no more, for the first things have passed away. Then I heard the voice of the one seated on the throne say, Behold, I'm making all things new. Write this. These words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things. I will be their God. They will be my children. But for the cowardly, the faithless, the murderers, the fornicators, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels holding the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And by the Spirit, he took me to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It had the glory of God and a radiance like a very rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. There was a great high wall in the city with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels, and on the gates were inscribed the names of the 12 tribes of the Israelites. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. On the west, three gates. 
the foundations, the wall had 12 foundations, and on the foundations were written the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who spoke to me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city lies four square. Its length and its width are the same. He measured the city with his rod. Its length and its height and its width were all equal. 1,500 miles. He measured the wall, 144 cubits according to human measurement, which the angel was using. The wall of the city was made of jasper, the city pure gold, transparent as glass. The foundations of the wall were adorned with every rare jewel, the first jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The gates of the wall were made of pearl, each gate its own pearl, and the streets of the city were pure gold, transparent as glass. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb were its temple. The city had no need for sun or moon, for the glory of God was its light, and its lamp was the Lamb. The nations walked by its light, and the kings of the earth brought their glory into it. The gates of the city were opened by day, and there was no night there." People brought the honor and glory of the nations into it, and nothing unclean was found there, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the streets of the city. On either side of the river was the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, bearing fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore. But the throne of God and the Lamb is in it, and his servants will worship him. His name is written on their foreheads. There is no night there, for the glory of God is its light, and they will reign forever and ever. He said to me, write this. These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirit of the prophets, sent an angel to his servant to show him what must take place after this. See, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, the first seven verses. You can find it in a Bible near you or a smartphone with you. I can't overstate the circumstance in which that vision was given. Deep pain. Tremendous despair. Peter, the apostle Peter, was crucified upside down because he thought Jesus was Lord. The city streets were filled with rioting and protesting and anger and violence. There was political backstabbing was literal. Medical care is what you'd expect in the first century. Diseases were rampant. Pain was real. John was exiled to the prison island of Patmos and he caught a vision. In the midst of that kind of pain, those sort of circumstances, and by the way, I'm not comparing 21st century America to 1st century Rome, not even close, but there, you may notice a few parallels. 
First century Rome was brutal. And if Emperor Nero or Emperor Domitian were in charge, it was colossally worse. In the midst of that kind of pain, in the midst of those sorts of tragedies, the, t- the tendency we have is to borrow pagan religion or secular philosophy. They did it then, we do it still. Pagan religion, basically, bec- this, this pain, this circumstance, this tragedy, is the evidence that you woke the sleeping God with your sin and that God is after you, that God's coming to get you until you die or the world implodes. That's pagan religion or secular philosophy, basically Stoicism, Epicureanism, or Platonism. Stoicism, it's all predetermined. God wound the watch and is waiting for time to run out. So just grin and bear it. Epicureanism, it's all inconsistent. It's all random. There's no presence or overarching vision for the world. So do whatever you have to do to comfort yourself. Eat, drink, be merry. Binge on Netflix. Binge on binging. Binge on whatever. Just comfort yourself. Or Platonism. We, we separate Platonism. We separate the, the next world from this world. We're just biding our time. We're just waiting for this to finally be over when we get to realize the dream. John, I'm borrowing from N.T. Wright, by the way, in a book titled God and the Pandemic, who offers that analysis. It's a great book. You should read it. St. John had all of those options available to him, pagan religion or secular philosophy, and he didn't choose either. He didn't choose any. He caught a vision, not of some other reality, but rather a reality that exists now that will be fulfilled one day, but is here still. Can you see it? It starts like this. Then I saw... Then I saw as an invitation for us to see too, not just a happier future, but a reality now, inviting us into participation. Isn't that what the prophet Isaiah said? I'm doing a new thing. Can you perceive it? Do you see it? Will you see it? Can you see it? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. We see all kinds of things, stuff. We read about them. We experience them. We see the city streets filled with rioters again and protesters again and violence again. John sees those riots, protests, and anger redeemed and given back. John saw the streets were made of pure gold, clear as glass. We see crooked lines of our dysfunctional families and pain-filled past. John saw the city lies four square. Its length and its height and its width are all equal. We see the poorest of the poor getting even poorer. John sees the gift of the water of life. We we don't see the disease running rampant. We just see the consequences of it. John sees a God whose home is with mortal, who, who wipes every tear from our eye. Death will be no more. We see political posturing and partisan pushing. John sees the throne of God is in the center of the city and his servants will worship him. We see war and rumors of war. John sees the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Can you see it? Will you see it? Do you see it? Not just a better future, but an alternative reality that is ours now. Behold, I'm making all things new, is what's real. So, Chris, we're on the lawn. It's Tuesday of this week. Uh, He had each of us bring an object. Uh, He brought a crocheted cross. And he told the story of a parishioner in Atlanta, Georgia, Andy, who after gathering with the church one evening, Sunday I'm assuming, went home and eight hours after that church meeting, 
did the absolute unthinkable. Took the lives of his mom, his dad, and his sister in the most brutal way you can imagine. And for Chris, it was devastating. The way he internalized all of that, I failed. I should have seen it. I should have known. I could have done something about it. He visited Andy, first in the county jail, then in death row, in a federal prison, for, for several years, consistently, for five years, he said, and before he took a job in Kingston, Ontario, Canada, uh, to a different congregation, different call. He, he tried to stay in touch with Andy, but mostly he lost touch. Now, one day, he got a letter from Andy, and in it was this crocheted cross. No real explanation. Nothing about the letter that stood out. He still seemed to be that sort of stoic, lifeless, remorseless, cold human being on death row. Andy's execution date was in 2011. Chris was invited to participate in the final appeal before the final meal. So Chris returned to Atlanta, and he met with Andy and was stunned. Something had happened in Andy. When Chris got into the meeting room, Andy smiled, hadn't seen a smile on Andy's face in a very, very long time. Andy hugged him. Chris was hoping there would be some stunning conversion story. He didn't get to hear that story, but he did have a cross, a crocheted cross from Andy. Now a reminder to Chris, God does new things. God changes things. Can you see it? Do you see it? Will you see it? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.